So my name is Alex Green and I'm um, a lecturer in history at the University of Essex. Just to follow sort of Rachel's lead, just in terms so you can understand kind of roles that I hold, I'm also the impact director for history, so that means I'm looking after our, our REF submission and the impact case studies we'll be submitting for that. I'm also a case impact case study author and I look after placements for history as well. And my only other sort of role that's I think of relevance here is I work on one of the voluntary officer roles for the Royal Historical Society as one of the honorary co-directors of communication. That's a good way, I think, to get um, experience in kind of the wider field outside your um, institutions. I also didn't have a sort of straightforward track into academia, so I left my first university in 2001 at the age of 23, having finished an MPhil, uh, went out into the wide world thinking the last thing I want to do is do a PhD and become an academic, so that worked That worked really well for me. Um, but I, work, um, I had a career, in, built a career in policy and government relations, and I ended up working as the vice-chancellor's uh, head of policy at the University of Hertfordshire and it was there that I kind of discovered this connection between history and politics, did my PhD part-time, um, had my daughter and then kind of shimmied sideways into the School of Humanities and I've been uh, in academia ever since. Um, so I'm going to talk, um, use my time today to talk about um, how research intersects with wider concerns, so with kind of research users or beneficiaries or audiences, however you want to think about them, and also the way in which research um, can work with potential partners and collaborators, because that's very much the kind of work that um, I do. And it's also such an important part of the research landscape today, so not just in funding terms, so the funding that's available for kind of collaborative or co-produced research, but I think also intellectually it's becoming um, a much greater area of interest across a whole range of disciplines. So I'm focusing on a broad agenda. I will talk briefly about REF impact because it is part of the reality, it's part of the landscape in this country, um, but I'm certainly not going to stop there because I, I really want to make a broader point about the value of thinking about your research in uh, a more kind of engaged or collaborative way. Um, it's also the way, of course, I came into academia and the way I'm kind of moving through it, so I suppose it's the, it's the area that I feel that um, I have most, um, most to offer. Um, I'm happy to talk about my research and my work and my prior career afterwards, but I think I want to try and keep these comments as general as possible, because I realise that you're all from a, such a wide range of different um, kind of fields and specialisms. So I'm going to talk about co-production and kind of collaboration in research, because it's part of the landscape, but I think regardless of what kind of research life you envisage you'll have after your PhD, um, I think there are some things that are relevant here, I hope. But let's deal with ref impact first, because that's always the kind of impact uh, elephant in the room when we're talking about these kinds of uh, research. The next round of, of the research excellence frameworks is coming up in 2021. So for universities, this is kind of focusing the mind of, of senior managers. It's now worth 25% of the overall scores for universe assessment, and it's also part of the environment statement. So it's something that's very important financially for departments because it determines the funding they'll be getting for the next um, period. So in my particular department, an impact case study is worth more than 10 research outputs, so you can see why it becomes such an important part of the work that a department does. Also, if you go for research council funding, you'll need to talk about your pathways to impact, so it's worth kind of knowing about this kind of agenda. And because it's so financially important to institutions, universities have kind of built up a whole infrastructure around impact. So there are specialist posts in research offices, there are funding pots, institutional funding pots you can apply for if you're doing kind of public engagement and impact-oriented um, work. 
But I would say I think there's still, in, in some areas, among some colleagues, there is still a certain amount of perhaps resentment or scepticism about impact, that it takes so much energy, you know, there's so much uh, scrutiny and control of what we do um, as researchers. For those who do do it, it doesn't always bring you returns in terms of, um, of career progressions. So often when you're applying for jobs or applying for promotion, you'll have to have the research publications and then impact on top. So sometimes it can feel like it's not uh, fully recognised. But what I would say is I don't think it's particularly helpful to think of impact or public engagement as an imposition, as something that kind of has been legislated onto us and we kind of have to do it reluctantly. I think it's possible to do research impact with integrity, both in terms of producing impact case studies, which is so important in universities, but also in that broader sense of uh, engaging with wider constituencies, communities or audiences for our research. And so for me, I think it's always worth thinking through some key questions when you're thinking about yourself as a researcher, both now and in the future. And those questions are for what, for whom, and how. And these are questions that came in particular out of public sociology and the kind of the public disciplines that emerged in the 70s, 70s and 80s. But I think you don't have to be particularly a public in, publicly engaged scholar to find some relevance here. So the first question would be, for what purpose are you doing your research? You know, what, is, what are the kind of the agendas and drivers and objectives you have for your research? For whom? So for whose benefit or for whose interest are you working? I think that kind of connects to Rachel's um, question about what are people going to know you for? You know, what's, what's your answer to the kind of so what question, if you like? And thirdly, how? And I, I don't really mean kind of discipline-specific methods, you know, the kind of uh, the sort of formally defined methods, but I think about what ideas about research are you carrying with you? You know, how should the research process function for you? What is, what is it about? Now, for me in particular, this, this is about who I'm working with rather than just about methods. So um, it's about approaches to research that involve the people I want to speak to in the design process itself. But it can mean different things for different people. And even if you're not someone who wants to do any kind of collaborative research in the future, if you don't want to do public engagement or an impact case study in your future career, I still think it makes for better research to have a good sense of what drives or shapes your work and who the audience for it might be. And certainly being a more self-conscious or reflexive researcher is something I think that's a concern for many disciplines. So even if you only want to speak to researchers in your particular kind of specialism, can you articulate what it is you want to contribute to those internal debates? So, you know, do you want to shift the emphasis within your field? Um, do you want to open up new avenues of inquiry, introduce new methods? Um, you might want to speak to an adjoining discipline or a sort of cognate discipline, um, suggest areas of common interest, uh, or bring your discipline's insights to their core questions. So I think it's always worth thinking through who are the people with whom you want to be in dialogue through your research, who are the people you want to reach and influence. Now if we open up that circle a bit wider, so think about your own specific discipline, that's where the next circle out, I guess, will be to think about practitioner groups, for example, or policymakers. You know, we often see in the news there'll be some kind of news item we think, you know, if only they'd spoken to a climate scientist or an engineer or a linguist before they were, you know, talking about that issue. There, there are audiences um, who could benefit from talking to and thinking through their problems uh, with a researcher. Widening out the circle still further, what about public audiences? So this could be service users of various kinds, consumers, voters, whoever it might be. Because just navigating the world as a human being, I think we always encounter things where we can see the way the benefit of academic in, um, input. Uh, and, you know, at the moment with Brexit, as a historian, there are just so many opportunities where you think, oh, God, I wish they'd just spoken to someone with expertise in Irish history, for example. Um, but... Um, 
you know, you'll each have your own examples. Every discipline, I would say, has something of value beyond its own borders. It, every discipline has something uh, to offer to those wider debates. And perhaps one of the positive impacts of impact has been to direct esteem and uh, funding and resources of various kinds towards this kind of work. So work that seeks to reach wider audiences at whatever level, whether that's individuals, you know, communities, um, at sort of national or even international level. So being able to articulate these connections between your research and its audience, I think, is helpful. Wherever you are in the system, whether it's at PhD level or right up to, to professorial level, um, it's helpful for job applications. Um, so if you're writing research statements or plans as part of a job application, uh, it's also helpful for when you're finding your routes through academia, whether it's applying for promotions or sideways moves, moves into administration like uh, Rachel's taken. Being able to articulate or to understand where those connections might be, I think, is really helpful. So firstly, you can show your understanding of the landscape, the funding landscape. You understand the role that impact plays in REF or that it plays in research funding. It means you can understand the reach and relevance of your work outside academia. You can shape more interesting and innovative uh, and fundable research bids. You build a broader track record to talk about. And I think also it gives you a kind of wider presence. So as soon as you're involved with other, with external sort of constituencies and audiences, you leave a kind of footprint of engagement. Often that's online, so um, press coverage, um, social media, um, films, exhibitions, select committee reports, legislation. You know, wherever you find yourself in that mode of collaboration, you'll leave a footprint, and that can be really useful as evidence to set alongside your academic record. And, of course, if you go into other types of careers, however you choose to do that, it's also a very useful starting point because one of the questions will be, well, what do you bring? You know, where does your academic career and expertise, what does that bring to the role that we're offering? Well, you already have a starting point to start to talk about that. Um, I should say at this point, I think that it isn't a binary choice at all between some of this pure research or real research over here and there's applied research or public engaged research over there. Um, I think it's absolutely possible to do both and to do both within the same project. So one of the models that I found quite useful when I was doing my PhD uh, was Matthew Flinders' um, triple writing. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. I can share the um, reference another time. Um, but he talked about triple writing. So with the same piece of research, you might, in the first phase, talk to academic audiences, generating books, journal articles, conference papers, and so on. Using the same research as in a second phase of engagement with sort of policy and practitioner audiences, so you might be generating kind of pamphlets and um, you know, giving evidence to inquiries and that kind of thing. And then in the third phase, there's a public engagement phase where things like um, trade books, um, social media work, newspaper articles, that kind of thing. So it's the same core research, it's the same research, but it's being communicated in three different phases to three different groups. So it's still got integrity as a research process, but it's been communicated in different modes. Now, I would take that stage further, and I would say that generally impact isn't just about putting the public engagement at the end of your research process as a bolt-on, but we could, is, should actually be part of the research design. And that's what I've been doing with my work with the John Lewis archive and with other business archivists. So I don't think you, you need to stop uh, at that stage. But I'm going to finish really with a comment about where all this kind of work might fit within the research culture, because I think that was my brief. How receptive, I suppose, are UK universities to um, this kind of work? I do think the culture is changing, and it's changing relatively quickly. There are certainly financial incentives for universities to fund and support collaborative research and public engagement, but I don't think it's just that. There is a scholarly interest in the process of co-production and public engagement, so there are avenues to 
talk about this in journal articles and conference papers. So it's becoming part of scholarly discourse as well. So you're not just instrumentally picking a, a kind of route. You've actually got a, a space in which to talk about that in scholarly terms. So I would say there is a growing space for collaboration and public engagement within the research culture. Uh, and I do think it reflects changing attitudes about research itself that's happening within the UK. So I'd encourage you to think really from the ground up about who you are as a researcher and why you're doing your research, because I think it gives you roots for research that are actually quite compelling and innovative and exciting for your potential kind of future employers, your potential future audiences. So I will stop there. Thanks. Thanks.